It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440, driven by Wolf GMC Buick on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. So I had a Doug, Mary. You can wear your sunglasses at night at about 3.30 in the afternoon in Edmonton right now. Do you notice that? that like this, I don't know why, but even though we're, what, a month away from the shortest day of the year, it already feels like, you know, by 5 o'clock, you're, it's midnight at the Oasis. Except you're not at the Oasis. Well, Jason Greger on the way later on this hour. We'll talk to him about the Oilers and Calvin Pickard playing uh, and Philip Roberg dressing, but among seven defensemen. So we're not sure how much time he'll get. Uh, joined now by Steve Simmons from the Toronto Sun. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. I do. And I appreciate the Maria Muldauer reference. <laughs> well, when you're old, it's all in there. You just got to bring it out every once in a mm-hmm. while and air it out and let people know that you remember buying that record a thousand years ago. Oh, uh, yes. And listening to it over and over again. Yeah. Send your camel to bed. I mean, I don't still don't remember what the hell that's about, but it's okay. Uh, your, uh, your column, of course, well read by everybody. And you mentioned the Oilers and the next GM. Uh, Dave Gagne is an interesting name. Uh, and I know you hear a lot of things. Uh, I had not heard that, but that's an interesting name for the Oilers as a possible next GM. I hadn't heard it either, to be perfectly honest, but I've spent a fair bit of time around Jeff Jackson and Dave Gagne in circumstances, hockey-wise, golf tournament-wise, social events of different kinds over the years. And rarely would you ever have seen, especially in the Connor McDavid years in the Ontario Hockey League, rarely would you go to a game that Connor was playing and and Jeff Jackson and Dave Gagne wouldn't have been there. And it always seemed like those two guys were attached to each other. And then you'd go to, say, Sherry Basson's golf tournament, and there would be Jeff Jackson and Dave Gagne. And, you know, and so I just thought to myself, and, and they were agents, co-agents together, you know, in business at first with the, the Bobby Orr group, and then, you know, after that, you know, um, Wasserman. And... Uh, and so I always thought that their relationship was not just professionals, but friends. And I've never cross-referenced their careers. Like, did they play together? Didn't they play together? That I don't know. Um, both were Maple Leafs at, at one time. Uh, but I do know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen the two of them together. Well, so what happens when you get into a job of prominence, often in, in hockey or any other sport for that matter? You hire people you know. Right. And, and trust and believe him. Yeah, and certainly that's the case. I mean, Je- uh, I, I have a conversation. You wrote it, and I totally agree. I've had this conversation with with fans before. The the idea that that you know uh, Daryl Cates and is hiring people that are known to Connor McDavid to to ensure his being signed. I remember when Bill Torrey signed uh, traded for Jean Potvin to try to make sure that Dennis Potvin would sign instead of going to the WHA. At some level. I, I know that people don't like the idea, you know, I, a lot of people accuse Connor McDavid of running the team, but if I'm Daryl Cates and it, you know, hiring somebody that's known to Connor McDavid increases my chances of signing to another long-term contract, I'm all in on that. That's fair, right? I'd like to think I know Connor McDavid better than the majority of people who covers hockey around the NHL. And I've certainly known his family and some of his friends and some of his hockey friends for quite a long time as well. I think Connor McDavid, and that's why I wrote the item I wrote on Sunday, is the last guy in the world to be demanding anything. You know, 
if anything, maybe quietly his agent might say something that he wouldn't even know about. But I cannot see Connor McDavid being LeBron James, and I wrote that Sunday. LeBron James wants to coach and play and be the manager and run the budget and run the salary cap and do everything else in the NBA and then tell everybody else what to do. That's not Connor. Connor wants to play hockey, and he wants to win. And those are the two things that motivate him the most, is being successful at his extraordinary level, which he works so very hard at. Uh, his off-season training regimen is like nobody else almost in the game. Uh, and and he's not the guy who's who's on the phone saying, you know, you know, trade this guy, get rid of Scottie Pippen, do this, do that, whatever, you, however you want to phrase it. We've seen, I mean, it's funny because when Gretzky was in L.A., I'm not saying Wayne was the GM, but he, you know, every once in a while, a Yari Curry just showed up in L.A. or a Paul Coffey showed up in L.A. or somebody, you know, Marty McSorley or whoever it was. You know, I don't think that was necessarily accidental. But it, but it wasn't necessarily Wayne pulling the strings at the time. It was just they were doing stuff that they know he would be happy with. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what, you know, it, whether it be Daryl Cates or now Jeff Jackson or whomever, you know, it only makes sense. Here is your best player. He is the best player in the game. He's the most talented hockey player in the world. Wouldn't you as a general manager just naturally do everything in your power to build your team around him? Right now, McDavid looks to me, Steve Simmons from the Toronto side, he looks to me like a guy who is skating better, but his shot doesn't have the torque that it did. I don't know if he's still 100%. Is that fair to to question that? I have not seen a game this year, and I I must admit, I have not seen every Oilers game, but I started watching when things started to fall apart. Um, And I have not seen a game that I thought he looked like himself. Right. And he didn't look comfortable to me. And he wasn't doing the kind of things, you know, the explosiveness. It may have been there for a moment, but it wasn't explosive with, as you say, with an explosive shot, with an explosive cut, with all these things happening at the same time. And um, and and that, to me, is missing. I'm a little bit more confused by Dreisaitl, to be honest, mm-hmm. because, you know, as we saw in, in each of the last couple of playoffs, you know, you get him in big games and he just, you know, he's exceptional. He, you know, and even being hurt that one year where he, you know, he played hurt and, and, and scored at a crazy rate. Um, and so what's going on with Leon is, is in some ways more concerning to me than what's going on with Connor because I really believe right now that Connor, Connor is hurt in some way. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Steve Simmons, our guest from Toronto Sun. I want to ask, shift gears a little bit and ask you about the, the Nylander contract because, uh, the, like, I know why teams do this and I know why players do it where you're, you know, you're betting on yourself and you're betting on, you know, finding a, a you know, new cap total, which w- may work out. But, but right now, right now, Nylander looks like a guy who's going to cash in big time and he's, appears to hold all the cards at some level. This is going to be expensive for Toronto. Well, hold all the cards with one proviso, and the proviso being, do you want to play here? Or by here being Toronto. Is this where you want to be? Are these the players who you want to play with? And I think when you get to that, that changes maybe the negotiation just slightly. And um, 
And and the one thing William Nylander, other than the fact that he's been one of the five best players in the NHL this season, the one thing he has, you know, that he can sort of negotiate with at this point is he's really been underpaid almost since he signed his last contract. I mean, he held out for half a season and, and then signed for, I think it's about $4 million less than Mitch Marner's making. And right now, if you're going to pick one player between Mitch Marner and William Nylander based solely on this season, you're going to pick Nylander. Now, so here's the question. Is he having this great season because he's super motivated to get paid? Or he's having this great season because he's found a new level in his game? And because he's found a new level in his game, he's going to get paid more. And so it's a question of what do you believe if you're Brad Tree living in the Maple Leafs? What do you believe if you're Brendan Shanahan? Is this what William Nylander will be for the next five years? Or is this a one-year, you know, hit it out of the park year so you get paid? And then are you going to pay him, you know, maybe the way they pay John Tavares or Marner for that matter, you know, in that $11 million range? And really, you know, in Tavares' case, he never really lived up to that billing. And, you know, I think Marner has for the most part, but it's still a lot of money to pay that guy. And, and I, I go back to you know, Boston Bruins with Harry Sinden and um, the Detroit Red Wings when Kenny Holland was there and they had Nick Lidstrom. And what they had was an artificial, an, una, an unofficial um, line drawn at the top of the roster. And mm-hmm. No one will make more money than Raymond Bork. Or no one will make more money than Nick Lidstrom in Detroit. You can, you know, you can negotiate with me. You can do this, that. The line starts here. Everybody falls below it. And now it's a question of, well, the line starts with Austin Matthews in Toronto. And, and now, that, you know, where do you put Nylander in? You know, does, he have to go, does he have to go above Marner now? Is he above $11 million? Uh, He's outplayed him. He's outplayed Tavares. Those are $11 million guys on aging and we'll make that chase quite easily. So then it becomes, can the, can the Leafs afford to pay Matthews the 13 and a half he's going to get next year and pay Nylander over 11 and pay Tavares 11 and pay Marner just, you know, 100,000 shy of 11. Um, you know, where's all that money coming from? And who's, t- you know, and how is the rest of your roster suffering because of it? And, you know, I, I think the whole William Nylander thing is going to be fascinating because he's told everyone that he wants to stay here. Yeah. He's, he's made no secret about that. This is where he wants to play. So it's a question of you want to play here for less than your value is, less than you get in, 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 in free agency, you choose to go that route, or do you want to play here with a team that will have to get rid of people to keep you? And I think it's complicated, and there's no right or easy answer right now. And we're only talking about, you know, we're talking less than 20 games. You know, I, I don't know what the answer is, what the number is, and how they're going to figure it all out. Is I know in your column you mentioned this, but Rasmus Sandin is having a really good run. He did when he went to Washington last year, and he's looking strong again this year. Uh, good d- young defensemen uh, do not grow on trees. How much of a misstep does that appear to be for Toronto? Paul Maurice is in my brain and has been for I don't know how many years. And he always said, never trade a defenseman before they've played 200 games. No, no, let me rephrase it. You don't know what you have in a defenseman until they've played 200 NHL games. 
And sometimes he'd bring that number closer to 300. So that's when you make a determination. They were moving pieces around to try and hit the cap last year and to, to get a draft pick back because they traded their draft pick away and, and those kind of things. But you know, when I watched him play in Toronto and I watched Timothy Lilligren play in Toronto, and the, the two guys are a year apart, both first-round picks, one always looked like a stay-at-home sort of semi-solid guy, and the other one looked like he was more the modern NHL defenseman, puck-moving, offensive-minded, you know, smart with you know a really low um, panic point. That's what I always liked about Sandy. But but they, um, for whatever reason, either Sheldon Keith or Kyle Dubas or whoever decided that he wasn't a guy they you know, could build around or, or would want to build around. And they, you know, they chose, they chose Lugerin, uh over, over him. And, you know, to me, one guy's got a lot of upside and the other guy's a middle of the road guy. And I'll take the upside guy, you know, every, every day of the week in that kind of comparison. I don't know where to put it. It just happened, but I think the great cup we just saw Steve Simmons is among the best I've ever seen. Well, I keep I keep saying that every time I cover one. <laughs> is this the best one I've seen? And then I go next year. Is this the best one I've seen? I'm out of best ones I've seen. <laughs> My like I, I've seen three Grey Cups in I've covered three Grey Cups in Hamilton. Last night, uh, Montreal scores basically on the final play of the game. Um, you know, to to win the Grey Cup. Uh, two years ago, uh, Winnipeg and Hamilton went to overtime to decide the Grey Cup. And the one before that is that great Edmonton, Toronto, Doug Flutie. Yes. Um, Grey Cup, you know, in the snow. Fabulous, fabulous game. Some of the, you know, every time we show highlights of the great Grey Cups of all time, plays from that game come up. Um, those are the three Grey Cups I've covered in Hamilton. You know, tell me which one's better. <laughs> I don't know. Um, you know, you, you go through, you know, last year's Toronto-Winnipeg game. You know, that was like tennis. You know, one uh, a point, one a point, went back and forth, blocked a kick. You know, it was just crazy kind of football. Some of it doesn't always make sense, but it's the Canadian Football League, so it's not supposed to make sense. Uh, final one for you. Are, are the Jays going to slumber through the winter? Do you think it'll be quiet? The Jays are trying not to be quiet, if you understand what I'm saying. Um, if, if you notice, every single time a player is this player is available or this guy's available in free agency or that guy, one of the national baseball writers, the best-known guys in the sport, will say, Blue Jays are in on him, whether it be Otani or whomever, and now it's like Blue Jays are looking to trade Manoa. Well, all that's because the Blue Jays like to tell people they're doing a lot of stuff. They like to be shown, be seen as players in baseball. And by players, I mean active and important. And... Uh, I think they want to be active and important, and they want to up their offense because, you know, we saw in the playoffs what happened when, when they didn't have a whole lot of it. Um, and right now, you know, they have the same people coming back, and, and maybe fewer of them. Uh, and so, you know, the, the rumbling now is that they're looking to trade Alec Manoa, which tells me that they don't, they don't believe that Manoa can come back. So why would you trade him if you thought he could come back? That guy, you know, he's, he's in his mid-20s and, you know, was a Cy Young finalist in his first full big league season. 
So you wouldn't trade him if you really believed he could come back and be Alex Anoka. You won't. You don't have to pay him big money for for a little while still. Uh, but the very fact that they're doing that tells me that they're trying to tell people we think he's going to come back, and we'll take uh, we'll take your, one of your better hitters for him. Yeah. And I think that's what they're, they're looking at trying to get something. The free agent market is not a great one unless you want to you know rob a bank and, and buy Otani, and I don't. I just don't see Otani coming here. I think you know there's going to be bigger markets and better places for him to be, uh, and so you know they're going to try and they better. They got a roster right now that you know was was has 190 or 89 games one year, 90 the other year, 91 the other year. You know they've been right close to you know the number, and you know the Texas Rangers won the World Series with one more win, I think, than the Blue Jays had. Um, so. They're close, but there's a big difference between being close and having never won a playoff game. Yeah. Thanks for this. Very informative. Appreciate it. All right. Be well. Thank you. All right. Steve Simmons, Toronto Sun. Good stuff there, man. And his Gagne take was interesting. That's a little intel from experience, right? Do you think the Jays will be active? Yeah, I think they'll be semi-active as much as they can be. You know, I do think they ship Manoa. Remember one time I, I wanted, I wanted uh, so badly. I was like, "Come on, Expos, do something!" And they traded Tim Raines, I think, to the White Sox for uh, Ivan Calderon. Mm-hmm. And I was so sad. I was sad for days. I was so sad. Tim Raines is my favorite ball player. Well, Laddie Guerrero was my other favorite ball player, but Raines was my first favorite. And, um, well, Rusty Staub was. But Reigns, it hurt me when he got traded. And he's my favorite expo ever. And Calderon was a good player. And Reigns won a World Series with the Yankees, and he would never have won if they'd kept him. But, man, I loved Tim Reigns. He was such a wonderful player. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440, brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick. New name, but the same great team. Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road, wolfgmcbuick.com. Say hi to Doug today and also to Mary. So I didn't know this, but you are growing something on your face for November, and I didn't notice. That is correct. So when does it pop? It doesn't. That's the funny thing about my genetics. It stays like this forever. No, I got to ask you this because you're a blonde fellow. Yeah. Is it there and I'm not seeing, I'm not going to feel your face or anything. No, it's here. It's blonde. But if you come and give my face a good rub. I'm not going to do that. The old two finger rub. I'm not going to do that. What if, what if I like it? I'm not doing that. It's like, it's objectively horrible. And I'm, I know that and I'm completely aware of it. Well, I'm looking at Connor and he's got this, like, he looks like he could be in a movie. I don't know what kind of movie, but he could be in one. The con man can grow facial hair like no one I've ever seen. Man. I'm, I'm not quite in that level, but I, no. you know, I do okay. It's for a good cause. I'm happy no. with it. Don't mention hair. We're talking to Jason Greger now. How you doing, buddy? Being better, Al. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the sense of humor you're using on this. Uh, how's it going? It's, uh, yeah, the next few weeks, Al, the reality really kicks in and it's, uh, it's not a good look. No. I can tell you that right now. It's uh, when but, the kids on your hockey team are like, "Coach, what's up with your hair?" That's when you know it's a real problem. But here's the thing: don't you feel like this this uh, confirms the wisdom of you going the way you did many years ago with with no hair? Oh, I was, I was never. I never really liked my hair, even when I had hair. Um, I I think the first time I shaved my head, 
I didn't go right bald with the razor, but uh, you know, went down as whatever that is to a one. I think when, yeah. probably when I was twenty two, maybe I think the first time. Mm-hmm. And then I'd grow back here or there, but um, yeah, I always preferred it. Was slow maintenance, Al? Like yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that's the big thing. It's slow I get maintenance, that. right? I get that. Right? Um, you know, gonna have to buy shampoo here in a few months, so that uh, it's not gonna be nice. First time in many years. Like they don't sell Pert Plus anymore, so I don't know what to buy. Well, uh, gee, your hair smells terrific is gone too. So, oh, well, geez, yeah. Um, so they got all kinds. Uh, of Any requests? Any uh, any suggestions out there? Let me know. No, I, I you know, um, I get, I, I just get the stuff that is there, and it's, I don't know what oh, it is. Like, come on, I think it's all the same. Like, you have I, to have two different ones because if you have one, your hair gets just uh, flat. You like need two a, different ones. I, I have 24 weeks left, Al. Not that I'm counting, no. but uh, <laughs> 24, unless the Oilers can win five in a row, then it would. Uh, then I only have 11, so that would be nice. Okay. So, great, great cup game. Oh, my goodness, yeah. You know what? A great, great cup game, fantastic. I thought Green Day was unbelievable. I thought they, they were, were great. excellent. They were great. Very good. They were better than Shania. That's how good they were. Well, yeah. Well, well Shania was lip syncing. but Well, um, we don't know that. Yeah, we do. I was there, trust me. <laughs> um, I... Uh, <laughs> You know what? That game, it, it had a lot of things about it. Like, Montreal won the game despite their punter having one of the worst punting performances yep. I've ever seen. He so was that bad. was really kind of the end, which was funny because in the East, finally, it was great. It was just like, it's weird. But, you know, that call on third and five, everybody was expecting them to just want to go six, seven yards and to go over the top. That to me, and I loved that the players talked about Coach Moss calling that play, and they loved it. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, you know, happy for Jason Moss. Uh, I've always been, I've been a big fan of his. Um, I'm not one who thinks just because you're a little bit emotional at times that that means you're completely losing control. I don't think it was ever that case. Um, you know, like anything. It, Every coach, every person, every radio host, every doctor, you get better with more experience. That's yeah. just a fact, yeah. right? And. You know, they, they had something in Montreal. They built it as far as the cast off thing, I guess, similar to Vegas. Fine. And, you know, use whatever you can to motivate yourself. There's nothing wrong with that, but they were full marks for it. And I, I can tell you the bombers, like when Montreal, that's got to be a gut wrenching loss for Winnipeg because you stuffed them. Yes. To end the first half, and then you couldn't take advantage of it. Because yeah. that really should have changed the game. Yeah, and now it's not three of four and a dynasty. Yeah. It's two of four and... Yeah, okay. you've lost the last two. You're, yeah. you're halfway to becoming the Buffalo Bills. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I thought Although it was... Although that's not fair, because the Bills never won two first. Right. Well, so, it was, sorry, Bombers. Fans. Was it wide right or wide left? I can't yeah. remember. Um and then uh, you know I'll I'll say the same for Fajardo and for Machocha. This was a this was a redemption game for a lot of guys. Oh yeah, wow, wow. for sure. Like Cody Vajardo, there's many like Chris Jones. Chris Jones's track record on evaluating quarterbacks might might not be that great, mm. considering you know thought Cornelius said Vajardo wasn't good. Thought Cornelius was better than Ford until they had to play him. So you know, we'll uh, we'll see. Al, I'm uh, thankfully they have Jarius Jackson. Because I think he'll run the show offensively in Edmonton, but no. you know I'm uh, I, I'm not expecting any major changes for the Green and Gold. Now, are you buying the Elks? Is that because apparently there's a rumor that they are going to you know? Uh, you know what? I'll, um, no, I'm not. But okay. um, I will say this: the Elks, for many years, they made money. It was a it was it was an opportunity. They were good when the board wasn't as involved. Mm-hmm. The stats will back that up. That's very true. No offense to any of the board members. That's just the truth. So they've, they've, 
You look really, though, and it started at the Machoche era. He was a big problem. All right, uh, Randy Spencer still this many years. We had him in studio last week, and uh, you know he didn't he didn't mince his words when talking about Machoche and, and what they did wrong. And for a lot of time, they did a lot of things wrong. Right? Remember the organization hired Tillman? That was a gong show. Man. Right? Um, they got some credibility for a few years with Ed Hervey. Now, Ed wasn't perfect, but he was infinitely better than his predecessor. Right? And uh, he was infinitely better than his successors. Yes. It's not even close. The record doesn't lie. No. That four-year window is really the only window of stability since 2006 yeah. in it's, Edmonton. It's been bad, for sure. Yes. Yeah. And so you, and that's what happens to losing organize. Like the, the, the Esks were a winning organization for decades. They couldn't lose. They were good. That didn't win every year, but they were a winning organization all the time. And like the Steelers, Al, they don't win the Super Bowl every year, but my God, they never make, they never, they're never under 500. They're competitive. They have a certain culture that's there and it stays there and it stays there. Edmonton had it and then it got ripped apart. Yep. And, they had someone who kind of understood it to bring it back. They didn't like everything about him. Ed would be the first to admit he made some mistakes. Him and I have had lengthy conversations about it. But since then, it's been even worse. Yeah. So I don't know how they fix it because what they're doing now isn't working. That's a fact. Yeah. Stats don't lie. Attendance doesn't lie. It's a fact. I think there's lots of people who want to go support the CFL. They truly do. Like you, you look like the Elks hadn't won a game. They still had 30,000 people yes. there some games, yep. right? So I think there's a good diehard fan base who who wants to go to games. But Trey Ford helped, no question. But Trey Ford was there all year, and you didn't put him in until you were 0-8 when the season was over. It was. It, you were, it was gone. Um, Oilers tonight playing in Florida. Tough game against Florida. They got Pickard in net. Uh, what's going to no happen? No Barkoff, though. So that's, yeah. a, that's a benefit for Edmonton. Here's the thing, Al. Hmm. The, uh, in the Connor McDavid era... The orders are six and one in Florida. There's certain stats you don't know why. Mm. That's a place where they play well. They like it. And, uh, you remember that was the, uh, the Ryan McLeod three assist game played very well. Then he got hurt in the second last shift and then he missed the next 20 games last no. season. So, you know, certain players, certain teams, they like going somewhere. They feel better. Like Edmonton to Nashville. No problem. For a while, they went into Minnesota. You might as well not even show up. Just Damn drive the straight. bus. Yeah. Come in. Go out the door. Thanks. You know, thanks for playing. You're Abe Simpson. You just walk in, doff your hat. I'm out <laughs> because they can't win. Right. So that's what they got to hope. The thing was, they should have won the game in Tampa Bay. Yep. And, I, and the fact remains, their big guns are firing blanks right now. Every team's best players will win them games by themselves. Yep. Hey, look at William Nylander. I know you was listening, talking in Toronto. Trust me, I watch a lot of Toronto games. William Nylander's been their best player. Now, Austin Matthews has had two hat-tricks. That helps them win games. Mm-hmm. Subtle had the game against Nashville. He had the uh, the game at home against the Islanders. Right? Pretty big games. They win. But that's it. Connor McDavid hasn't had a game like that all year long. Yeah. And so I understand, even if McDavid's injured, I get it. But McDavid's not even a point-of-game player right now. No, he's not. He's not shooting like he did a year ago. Yeah, he's not a point-of-game player. And their power play, Al, the first unit power play in 13 games is 11.6%. Their team is 18 because the second unit scored some goals. Yeah. Right, which is nice. But I'm just talking first unit power play, which gets the majority of their power plays, has been a 29% power play unit for four years. Like this is everybody's like, well, Gregor, they're not going to be as good as last year. I don't care about last year. I'm yeah. talking four years, people. This is a four year stretch of 29, percent and they're now 11 percent 
in the last 13 games. Their power play cost them that game. I don't care what anyone says. Yeah. You're up. You're up two to one after the first. You have three power plays in the first 22 minutes. They score on theirs. You, you don't even barely generate many chances. And then look at how many odd man rushes they had. Usually those odd man rushes, Al, were like 90% you're scoring. Yeah. Now it's like no percent. Yeah. They don't get many odd man rushes. And when they do, they're not producing. But I will say, if they start, and they've started well, that's the one thing they've done pretty well all mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. They start well. Eventually the odds will tell me, their power play and their big guns will wake up. But yeah. if they don't, they're not going to win. The um, goaltending situation, Skinner has, I mean, he's there. I had somebody text me this weekend. They should trade Skinner. I'm like, then you have no goalies. You've got to bring in somebody to help Skinner. Trade Skinner. Were they drinking? Like, Skinner's got a 2.5 goals against average in the last four. Like, the Oilers aren't going to win every game, people. Hmm. They want, they're three and one their last four. And they actually didn't even play that bad. No, they didn't. Against Tampa Bay. They did. They had a bad third period. Yeah. But the first goal, is anybody blaming Skinner on the first goal? No. It goes in off of Ekholm. Like, there's the one goal I thought, you know, it, well, it's like he misstepped. He was in the wrong, he was so far out. Yeah, right? but even yeah. when he pushed, he didn't push because he, he tried to had to push again, right? Yeah. So he, yeah. he didn't, um, he didn't have, so that's fine. That's one goal. But you outshot them for two periods, yeah. 28 to 13, and you were leading by one goal. You didn't, and you had lots of quality chances. Don't tell me, I can't, I don't want to keep hearing that, well, the opposing goal is great. How about your guys aren't good at finishing? Yeah. Point blank. Also, I'm a big Evan Bouchard fan, and I know he makes mistakes, but the fact that he didn't recognize danger after he sent the errant pass, he actually made two steps into the zone, and he lost his guy before their blue line. That That's instinct. And, uh, like, I love him as a player, mm-hmm. but I just, like, he he has gaps defensively, Jason. I think the best case scenario for Evan Bouchard right now is if he's playing on your power play, he gets all the puck touches. I give him a lots of offense. I have him as a third pairing guy and I can play him in offensive zone starts or I can play him with McDavid and Dry Saddle's lines because I feel, hey, that's my best passer. That's my best puck awareness guy. I get there's going to be defensive deficiencies, but. I can't, I'm done expecting Evan Bouchard to be something he isn't. He is not a natural, good, instinctive defenseman. Now that might change. He still hasn't played that many games, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. He still hasn't played yeah. that many games. So he can learn it, but they need to go find a right defenseman who can play in their top four and Bouchard can play in your third pair. And if Bouchard and Kulak are your third pair, you got a really good third pair. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Do you see Broberg being here after the deadline? Well, I got to see him play, right? right? Like, yeah. I, I don't know if anybody knows, like, what is, like, th- my concern with Philip Broberg is, I don't see, I think Philip Broberg can be an NHL defenseman. Mm-hmm. Do I think he could be a difference-making NHL defenseman? I'm not sold, right? Like, if he becomes Brett Kulak, you'd be pretty happy. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure he's got a higher end more than Kulak. So, right now, he's not as good as Kulak. So Edmonton's window is to win. I think Broberg, because he's six foot three and because he's so mobile and he's young, that there's teams that still feel he can get to you know he could he could play top four in a lot of bottom ten teams. Right. That that I don't really have much question about. Yeah. So I think he has some value for sure. And yeah, you know, the orders are all in. I don't think there's any question. I think they're yeah. all in for the next few seasons. So, yeah. um, and the thing about being all in for the next few years. Is if you sign if you re-sign McDavid and Drysaddle, well then you're all in for the next six or seven years. Yes, you are, and you don't have to worry. Like if Philip Broberg gets you a really good player that helps you for two or three playoff runs, it's worth it. Mm-hmm. It's worth it.
who is the best, if we, you and I are talking a decade from now, who is the best draft pick from the Ken Holland era, in your opinion, 10 years from oh, now? Oh, God. So from 2020 on. Well, Broberg was his, I mean, he was okay, here for Broberg. Okay, that's the first one, yeah. 2019. So it's Broberg, so there's Broberg Holloway, oh, Borgo. Poof. Yeah. Um, if he stays healthy, I'll say Holloway. Yeah. Yeah. Because the, in 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 um, eighteen they got Bouchard and was it was it McLeod yes. and seventeen they got Yamamoto and they got Skinner mm-hmm. and nineteen twenty twenty one and really twenty two um, and twenty three I, I like Boiki he's hurt now but um, this 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 draft run they've had and they've traded a lot of picks Jason yeah. but I mean Tyler Wright's gone now uh, but. The, even the picks that they do have, they need one of these guys like Petrov or Carter Savoy to cash. I think. Yeah, well, I, I think Petrov maybe. Um, I look at Borgo. I'm still Borgo intrigues me. Al, he's a, he's a young Ford. You know, it's only it's his second year pro. It's yeah. not. Um, I don't think he's well behind. Look at the guys in his draft class. I don't yeah. think he's. I know. Um, you know, everybody yells Wyatt Johnson. I'm like, okay, that's one pick. Everybody else. Missed on Wide. Even Dallas traded down and then got Wide Johnson. Right. So, um, I, uh, and he played seven games. Like, it's, it's hard for me to rip on scouts when they have seven games viewing for a guy in his draft year. It was a weird right? year. It's a it, weird, it very weird year. But oh. the other picks, Al, I think it's full, it's full, full marks to question what's happened there. And, you know, you're right. They're going to have to find somebody. Well, the one guy, I think Max Wainer. Can I, can I re-say my answer? I think Max uh, Wainer will be the best He one. is a filthy guy. Yeah, I want to, I want, the more I thought he's about other picks. He's a nasty bit of work, I'll put Jason. him in. He's, he's nasty. Oh, dude. He's a very good player. He is. Right? A, he's a, and develop him properly. Yeah. I think he's easily a guy that's not, not next year. I think the year after. I talked to a, a, a management guy in the dub when he was playing in the dub. And I, I said, how tough is he to play against? Said, My team doesn't like playing against him. He is just a mean, mean guy. And that's good. Like, for hockey, that's good, right? Oh, 100%. Um, and he's mean in a, like, it, mean today, Al, is you don't even have to be like, you can just be no. a little, just be 2% crazy. And there's lots of people <laughs> that don't like it, right? Like, you can intimidate in today's game, I think, a lot easier that's a good than, point. You could, than you yeah. can before, right? Like, there's oh. some players that are just, they never experience it. And all of a sudden, they're just like, whoa. No. And that's just a mental toughness. Some guys don't like it. So uh, to me, if you got a guy on your team, that, and he can play, no. well, that's a huge event. I'm, I'm going to bet on my house on what you say here. Uh, Eagles win tonight or lose? It's a good game. Like, yeah. how about a Monday nighter, a Super Bowl rematch, and they're both coming off bye weeks. Like, they're well-rested. Yeah. Um, I, I think this is going to be a hell of a game. Um, I think the Eagles have a slight advantage just because of the receiving core of KC right now. But Patty Mahomes... Is somewhat of a freak show at times. So, um, and the NFL this year, I like. Look at the playoff race right now in the AFC. It's Are you kidding crazy. me? There's like ten or eleven teams. Like yeah. all of a sudden, the Denver freaking Broncos. Yeah. Are well, like, geez, they're not bad. And thank God the Chargers got out of the race. You know, oh, lo- like, just lose enough and you don't have to worry about that stuff. I don't know. And did you see their coach? <laughs> to, hey, buddy, why don't you just tell everybody you think you're getting fired? Yeah. Because he got so. 
uh, defensive about very simple questions. No. And I'm like, if you're just going to try to tell us, well, we, we're really good here. I'm like, no, your, your pass defense is the worst in the league, dude. Yeah. Don't, don't tell me. Yeah. You got a lot of sacks. So what? Yeah. And they've got a decent offense, a great quarterback, but they, the, the defense, they gave up, they gave up a touchdown so quickly yesterday. They were, they were ahead, Jason. It's late. Just play good defense one time. There's no team, I think, right now in North America. Now, somebody out there might argue with me, so let me know. Hmm. Is there a team in North American pro sports in any league over the last four years that knows how to lose games better than the Chargers? Like, think, look at the, no. they have the game winning touchdown in the hands of the receiver. And he's the first round pick. And he drops it like right in his head. He has gone to the races out. No. It's like, and that, no offense, for an NFL player, that's like an easy catch. No. That is a simple well, catch. You're running over your shoulder. He drops it right in. And so, it's like they, they lose and they're really screwed for the playoffs. You have to catch that ball. You're the yeah. first round pick. Because you'd be five and five. You'd be right there. Now yeah. they'd have to win out. Right, because they've got their what are they four and six? So they got seven games left, and they got the Ravens. They got they got they got some easier ones later, but yeah. they, like I think they got to go. No. They'd have to go at least six and one no. if they have any hopes of the playoffs, and that's that's pretty tough. Well, you've got Halley, so you can talk about that all day. No, but... the great part is Connor doesn't want to talk about his team right now, so we'll, <laughs> we'll focus on other things. Perfect. Uh, what's coming up on the show? We uh, well, hey, we'll talk Florida. Uh, also, uh, we'll talk a little uh, Canadian soccer, Al. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and a real a story that hasn't got a lot of play, but um, I, I think it's monumental, uh, potentially, what it means for women's sports. We'll get to that. And also, it's help your neighbor. We are going to have the draw today, and uh, somebody is going to win. Uh, well, they're going to win a prize for themselves, or they get order tickets, and then get uh, some little cool things for their house. But then they get to gift somebody in their circle a brand new high efficiency furnace from Legacy Heating. That is huge. I love the calls on that when the it is so cool. Yeah, That's you know one what? of my favorite things you do. It's nice and I think most people like when you win and you get to call someone up and hey, guess what? Uh you know what? I know your house is being cold. We're getting you a new furnace. Like beautiful. There's a lot of people right now out there that are living paycheck to paycheck. Economy's tough right now. That's mm. I, and it's not a one time thing. This is you get a new furnace, you got now twenty years of stress, yeah. fifteen years without having to worry about something that's yeah. that in our climate is very, very necessary. Right. All right, Jason, look forward to it. Thanks, Al. What are you doing? Well, you know me. You know I like to stick around for the Jason Greger show after we're done here. And I was how just can, getting the camera ready. I want to make you, sure the angles look okay. How can you do okay? the camera when I'm not even on the X? No, I know, I know. I just had listen. I thought I had some time. I was like, I have a free hand. Everything I needed to record for Connor's been recorded. Let I'm me, talking to Gregor. He and I are having a great conversation. The guy is very interesting. I'm getting good stuff about him from the show, which you know we need. And then I see this hand come across, and I'm like, what is it? It's got a guy going to slap me upside the head, and it's you. I know, but you, I've done it a couple times. You should be used to it by now. <laughs> I should never have said, yeah, okay, I can work in a room with Declan. I should not have said that. I made a mistake. All right. Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. Oh, I love that song. We're brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. And, of course, that's the intro to Mama MMA. And that's where Declan takes over and talks at length about 
MMA. Mama MMA, the segment that pays the bills around here, as I like to call it. Yes, it, listen, it's been some, before, actually, you know what? Before we get to Mama MMA, there's a text I want to, uh, I want to get to for you because I told our friend GM Parisian I would, I would read it. He sent it a couple times and said, Hey, why are you ignoring my question? It was a funny <laughs> one, so I'm going to read it here. Low Tide, can you give us a thought or a memory on Jackie Parker when old Spaghetti Legs was coaching the Green and Gold in the 80s? Cheers, GM Parisian. Well, I, what I remember is, uh, uh, Jackie Parker, it was um, maybe 1960, and the it was the Labor Day game, I believe, and Jackie Parker kicked a field goal, and it hit the upright and went through to win the game. And afterwards, the media was asking him, like you do, probably Anna Stukas and Webb Montgomery were asking him, uh, hey, you know, kind of lucky or whatever, and Jackie Parker said, luck? I, I I kicked the field goal. It went through. That's what I was supposed to do. <laughs> Jackie Parker, you know, um, Dave Jameson, when we have him in, we'll have to ask him some Jackie Parker stories because he's got some great ones about how he would explain. Uh, there was one, uh, J-Mo told me, where they're watching a guy, they're watching practice, and Jackie Parker in his draw says, uh, who wants to tell 73 he can't play football? <laughs> Uh, legendary. Ron Lancaster the same way. Legendary individuals. CFL brings out so many great people. JMO, one of them. But we saw a lot of good stories on the weekend. I was so pleased for Fajardo, uh, who had some injury issues in Saskatchewan, uh, for, um, Jason Moss, who, you know, really has taken a lot of heat, uh, over the years. And, uh, and also for, uh, Machocha, who's won, I think, at several different levels now. Coach, management. Not bad. So it was good for the Alouettes. I think it's always good for the Alouettes when when they win for the league. Uh, it's a major city. Uh, Winnipeg, I mean, if you're with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, you don't, probably don't want to hear from Rough Rider fans right now because winning two out of four doesn't feel as good as three out of four. Or four out of four. That matter. All right, we're wasting time. Go. Yeah, well, so listen, the big news that came down was that PFL has acquired Bellator. Now, PFL and Bellator were generally thought of, rightfully so, as second-tier promotions to the UFC. I think if you want to tier the promotions around the world, you have the UFC that's in the first tier, then you have PFL, Bellator, and one championship out in Asia as the second-tier promotions. PFL and Bellator have now come together to form one promotion. Essentially, PFL bought What's them. What's the they, name of it? They, well, they, there's no name that's come out yet. But PFL has acquired Bellator, so it's all going to be under the PFL banner. Essentially, what that means is they're going to they're going to take on their roster. It looks like Scott Coker, who's Bellator's president, is going to stay on in some capacity, and they're planning a champ versus champ event. So a big thing was the talent discrepancy between the UFC and everybody else was so huge. But there were guys in Bellator who could fight in the UFC. There were guys in the PFL who could fight in the UFC and find a lot of success. Some guys who people thought were some of the best in the world. Patchy Mix is a guy at bantamweight fighting in Bellator. People think he's right up there. Patricio. Pitbull was a featherweight who another guy I think is right up there for a long time. So now you're going to see these two top-tier promotions, second-tier promotions, bring together the roster and have these guys fight it out. So I think it's going to be great for the sport. I still think the UFC is the cream of the crop, but it's not. It, it, it's always felt like they've had just an untapped monopoly on the top-tier talent. I don't think you're going to see that anymore with this merger. You've got five minutes left, and you haven't mentioned that kickboxing is a big deal yet. Are you going to get to that? Uh, you know, there's not a whole lot I can say about kickboxing right now. The 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 the, the, the <laughs> 
Sorry, I don't know why I'm stumbling so much there. You're giving me butterflies or something. <laughs> but uh, the the UFC card that was this past weekend was finished by Rear Naked Choke. It was a bit, of, you know, it was a ho-hum card. The UFC has so many fighters on their roster, they just kind of have to pump out these cards every weekend just for their TV deal, for their, you know, networks deal, whatever it may be, to keep the fighters happy because they have a standing deal in place that they have to, they have to offer the, the fighters X amount of fights per year. So it was okay. I mean, it was a middle, it was a top-ranked middleweight fight. Brendan Allen, I think, came in as the 10th-ranked middleweight. He ended up choking out Paul Craig, who was the 12th-ranked middleweight, who was predominantly a jiu-jitsu guy. When you say choking out, he, he lived. He did live. Right, okay. He did live. He tapped. He okay. tapped. He did not. Right. They, you'll occasionally see a, a a choke that where someone goes to sleep or someone breaks a limb. But in this, maybe but you he was just tired. See, you usually see the guy. He might have been tired. Paul, sure. Paul no. Craig has never had the best gas tank. But Paul Craig's a funny guy. He's a guy who can beat some of the best fighters in the world and lose to some guys who are below his level. He's a really strange anomaly. For anyone who's going to get this reference, he's like the Michael Johnson of middleweight and light heavyweight. I know that's going to go over a lot of people's heads. And not Michael Johnson, the sprinter. Michael oh, Johnson, the UFC I thought fighter. Michael, I, I thought. I it's funny because you said Michael Johnson. I, I, you, anyway, I'm not going to go into uh, Bob Costas and no, the no, slide no. rule. You so. wouldn't. You wouldn't dare. And then no. boxing this past weekend. This past, it was actually this past week. Shakur Stevenson fought Edwin De Los Santos for the vacant WBC title of the world. Maybe one of the worst fights ever. Incredibly boring. Neither fight landed double digit punches in a round. And this was supposed, now Shakur Stevenson is a phenomenal boxing talent, but his market ability has just gone out the window. This was supposed to be a showcase fight. He's the seventh youngest fighter ever, or the seventh fastest fighter to win world titles in three different weight classes. It was supposed to be a big show showcase fight for him on ESPN. And he went out there and he laid a stinker. People were leaving in the 12th round. People were, all his contemporaries were on Twitter telling him how boring he is. How well, but he was he not challenged fight. by the other fighter or what? Why did this no, nah, he was he was he was the one who was initiating the track meet. Honestly, he would jab, get out, jab, get out. No Ooh. action at all. And you know, listen, boxing's a dangerous game. It's a blood sport. You got to do what you can to avoid risk. You got to do what you can to stay safe. Unless you're Ali. Unless you're Ali, then you lay on the ropes. You rope a dope George Foreman before you knock him out in the eighth round. No, yeah. I think it was the eighth round. I should know that. that was, I'm pretty I, sure I, it was the eighth round. I still think the uh, the the punishment he received in those Robo Dope fights ended up with him. Oh, it absolutely had uh, a lasting effect. Uh, and Floyd Mayweather had a really interesting point about why Ali is not the greatest boxer ever. He said, "There's nothing noble in sitting on the ra- sitting on the ropes and taking well, punishment for seven rounds." Th- this is the, the the going back to the Frazier fights is, uh, uh, you know, th- those were classics. They really were. Frazier was a wonderful pure fighter and power. Brilliant. My God, he had power. Brilliant. And I think that Ali between the years. He beat him. That's what happened. But Frazier is a fighter. God, he oh. was so good. Frazier was incredible. George yeah. Foreman knocked him out in two rounds, by yeah. the way. That's why everyone was so scared of, of that <laughs> fight happening. I remember there. I, I watched the When We Were Kings documentary, and Ali, he wouldn't even watch George Foreman hit the heavy bag because yeah. it just sounded like a gunshot every time. And people in just Ali's power. camp thought, like a lot of people thought Ali was going to die. Yeah. Not metaphorically. They thought this guy was going to kill him and went out there and beat him. Greatest sporting spectacle ever. But we're not. Frazier could break bones. Oh, Frazier. Yeah. Oh, Frazier yeah. could crack anyone on Earth's jaw today. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, smoking tough. Joe. Tough, 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 man. Yeah. It's- um, that was the. You know, I remember watching with my dad on, like, I think it was ABC Wild World of Sports, and it was like free. And then it went to pay-per-view. And it's harder. You've got to be in the sport. I remember when HBO with Lampley uh, got back into it. And I was I loved it because it was on TV. And yes. I was finding out about fighters and the, the up-and-coming guys. And I was totally into it again. It is addictive. It really is. Oh, it's an incredible sport. And I just want to clarify something. I know Joe Fraser is dead. That was part of the joke. So when I said he could break anyone's jaw today, that was oh, a God. credit to how hard. I don't want anyone texting and being like, Declan, Joe Fraser is dead. No, I know. I know. I'm just saying that's how, that's how hard he hit and that's how good he was. Yeah, he was amazing.
Incredible. Okay. So I've taken your time. Are we done? It was short and sweet today, but there wasn't a lot to talk about. I'll have more next oh, I week. I didn't have a computer. On Mama MMA. So I made a mistake and left it at home. But thank you for all of your help. I'm sure your day was a little bit weird, but I appreciate that, Declan. Jason Greger on the way next. Uh, please text Connor Halley and uh, congratulate him on the San Diego or the uh, wherever they are now. Uh, Chargers winning four games this year, and maybe they'll win two or three more uh, later on in the year. Thanks for tuning into the Lowdown. Jason, next. Time for a sports update.